Well, good morning, everybody. Hello. I'm so glad to see you. My name is Rena. If we haven't met, I'm a member of the worship team. Sometimes you'll see me singing and playing guitar. I'm also a member of the volunteer preaching team, which means I have the privilege and the pleasure of speaking to you all three or four times a year. I'm married to my husband, Brent, and have two grown and or growing children. And we've been a part of the River Heights community for more than 15 years. Some other random facts about me. I'm in a rock band that's in the process of recording our third album, which is pretty rad. So I'd be happy to talk to you more about that if you're interested. And uh, totally unrelatedly, when I was growing up, my dad went to seminary and became a pastor of a Baptist church in Farmtown, Minnesota for six years. I grew up in the church and heard a lot of thoughtful and challenging messages from the second row where I was coloring on the bulletins. I couldn't find a picture of my dad preaching, so here's one of my parents on their wedding day. Aren't they cute? <laughs> They're just wonderful. I thought about them a lot as I was writing this message, so I thought I'd share their picture with you. I love that. There's John and Barb. It's great. Today, I have the privilege of sharing the second message in our I Am series, where we're looking at the seven times Jesus said, I am about himself while he was here on this earth. Last week, Pete opened the series with I am the bread of life and shared a rich look at communion. Check it out online if you didn't get to hear it yet. It's really worth a listen. This week, we'll look at something that Jesus said in John 8. I am the light of the world. Let's pray as we begin. God, thank you for this day. Thank you that we have the privilege and the opportunity to gather together in your name. Please meet us here and speak to us. Highlight things to us. Be with us. Help us to hear what you have to say, God. Amen. Okay, let's dive into this story. We'll spend a little bit of time in John 8 today, so you can head there in your Bible, or you can follow along on the screen behind me when we get there. At this point in Jesus' ministry, he'd begun ruffling some feathers. He'd been moving around Galilee and avoiding Judea because people there were waiting to kill him, and some of his disciples had abandoned him at this point. When the Feast of Tabernacles rolled around, however, Jesus' brothers encouraged him to show up and reveal himself to the world. They were kind of goading him, like, are you a big deal or aren't you? Who will follow you if you're hiding? Jesus told them to back off. He actually said, the right time for me has not yet come. The right time for you is any time. But then he went to the feast anyway without telling them. The Feast of Tabernacles was the great feast of the Jewish year. It celebrated the completion of the harvest and commemorated God's goodness to the Israelites during their time in the desert. It's kind of like a mega Thanksgiving. It lasted for seven days and everyone was there. Halfway through this feast, Jesus did stand up and begin to teach, and he got a lot of attention. Some people marveled at his teaching and his miraculous signs. But the chief priests and the Pharisees, who were the religious leaders of the day, didn't want him around, breaking the rules and stirring things up. They tried and failed to arrest him 
and they had it out for him after that. I imagine with all this drama and intrigue, Jesus had even more people listening to what he had to say. What do you think? People love a spectacle, right? (laughs) People are going to show up for that. So after the feast, people showed up for more teaching from Jesus. John 8.12 says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Before we get to the light of the world part, I'd like to take a couple of minutes on I am. Have we heard this phrase before? Would it have stood out to the people listening to Jesus that day? For me, hearing I am as I prepared for this message reminded me of a poster my parents used to have on the wall when I was growing up. Let me show that. This colorful poster, it's kind of a small image, but this colorful poster uh, shows the names of Jesus from the Bible and in tiny print has the appropriate scripture reference next to each one. In the center, in white, is I am. I saw this poster every day for years and it imprinted in my brain through repetition. I hadn't thought of it in a long time, and it just popped into my head when I read this verse in John, I am. The crowd listening to Jesus might have had a similar recollection, not of a fantastic poster from the 80s that I'd actually quite like to have right now, but of an important story they'd heard taught over and over again from their scripture. In Exodus 3, When Moses talks to God in the burning bush, Moses tells God that the Israelites will want to know God's name, and what should he tell them? Verse 14 tells us, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So, I am is what God told his people to call him. I am is how he wanted to be known and worshipped. By repeatedly using this phrase, Jesus claims to be God. He ties himself to what this group knows of God and reveals himself as the Son of the Father. He even doubles down on this claim when the Pharisees in the crowd push back in John 8, 19. Where is your father? they asked. Jesus answered, since you don't know who I am, You don't know who my father is, and if you knew me, you would also know my father. And then later in verse 58, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was even born, I am. Jesus got their attention with I am. Let's go back to verse 12. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Darkness in Jesus' time was pretty unavoidable. We can mostly avoid it now if we choose to. And in the city and the suburbs, it never gets quite totally dark. Have you ever been someone quite been somewhere quite remote at night, like the desert or the north woods? Here's here's an underwhelming photo of the night sky on the North Shore. 
It's much better in person. I recommend it. <laughs> we have a light problem in here too. If, if the lights were off, this would look even better. It's, it totally tracks, totally tracks. Um, yeah, this is on the, on the way to Canada, up north. Where am I? There we go. I might think that it gets pretty dark at night in Egan, but it's not dark enough to see the glory of the stars in the night sky, right? Light, then as now, is significant and valuable. Practically, the light is necessary for plants to grow, right? It's necessary for life. And light makes it easier to see things and makes things clear. When it was full dark at that campsite up north, having a light kept me from tripping on a log or falling off a cliff into the big lake. Could have happened. Glad it didn't. Yeah, I had a light. I've heard people describe Jesus's light of the world like a lighthouse, like at Split Rock on Lake Superior. He's a beacon helping us to navigate, avoid the shore and other obstacles and prevent aimless drifting. That sounds like a good picture, but I've never piloted any water vessel at night. How many of you have done that? There might be some. Yeah, a couple of people here have piloted a water vessel at night. Most of us haven't. <laughs> so that didn't quite click for me, right? It's a good picture, but it doesn't quite click. What I have done, though, is drive in a snowstorm in the dark. How many of you have done that? Yes, most of us. A week and a half, I did, a week and a half ago, I did that, right? When it's snowing hard and it's dark and my vision is crappy and I can't see the road despite my own headlights, I'm so relieved when I have taillights to follow. I can carefully follow those red lights and feel a little better about my chances at actually being in a lane, right? There are differing levels of trust here, of course. For example, do you think I'd rather follow a Kia Rio or a Chevy Tahoe? Right, yeah. If the Tahoe is not going too fast for my taste, I'm probably going to trust it to not slide off the road more than I'm going to trust the, the Kia Rio. Sorry, Rio drivers. And would I rather follow that Tahoe or Plowy McPlow face? <laughs> the plow. I would, it's solid, and it, it knows where it's going. It also has more lights. I might be stretching the metaphor here, but this lands better for me than a ship at sea. So Jesus is a snow plow, <laughs> and I never have to be alone on 35E. There might be something there. I don't know. Makes it connect. The group listening to Jesus that day would have understood other meanings of light and darkness than just the practical as well. In the creation story in Genesis 1, 3 through 5, we read, Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. God's first creative word was to call forth light in the midst of the darkness. This light is necessary for making God's creative works visible and for making life possible. These things could not happen without the light. So light represents life and blessing. It represents hope and God's promises. It's an attribute of holiness or of absolute goodness. And by contrast, darkness can represent ignorance of the divine, 
wickedness or a separation from God. Where we live, there is darkness. But we have hope in the promise of salvation by our Messiah. The people Jesus spoke to that day would have also recognized in his words a prophecy and a promise of the coming Messiah from Isaiah. Isaiah 9.2 says, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Jesus is that light in the darkness. He said, if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. He didn't say the darkness will no longer exist in this world. Sorry. But we have the light that leads to life. The good news is we have Jesus. Elsewhere in scripture, we see this light of life referenced again and again. I'll run through a few here for us. In 1 John 1.5, this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. There's no evil in him at all. We can trust him. 2 Corinthians 4.6, for God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. The same God that created all light gave you the light so that you can know the glory of God. James 1.17, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. His light is not a twinkle or a trick. It is pure and true. And from John 1, 1 through 5 and verse 9, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming to the world. Jesus has been God since the creation and he came into this world to give us, you and me, light and life. This is just a few of the many verses that speak about light in this way. It's almost like they're hammering on a point here. We need the light. Jesus is the light of the world in a world where darkness still exists. And when we follow Jesus, who can see both the true path and our destination, we don't have to walk in that darkness. Do you want more of that light? More of that hope? More of that life? I do. We can choose every day to follow Jesus. And I want you to notice that it's follow, not 
look at that pretty light over there. It's, uh, it takes some movement on our part, right? Maybe you'd like to move in Jesus' direction today. If that's you and you'd like to follow Jesus and walk in his light, I'd like to pray with you about that right now. I invite you to close your eyes and maybe hold out your hands as a sign of openness to what God has for you, and I'll pray. Jesus, you said you are the light of the world, and I need that and want that. I want to follow you and be with you. I trust you to know the true path and the destination. Help me to see and follow your light. Amen. If you prayed that prayer just now for the first time, I'm so happy for you. When we have ministry time after the message, I invite you to pray with one of our prayer team folks about it too. They'll encourage you and celebrate you, celebrate with you, and it's so good to share this stuff with someone. I'll remind you again at the end. So now we've seen how Jesus is I am, and he is the light of the world and a light in the darkness. And that's all pretty great, right? excellent and hopeful to me. But it gets even better, even more glorious. The Bible tells us that there will come a day in the new heaven and the new earth where there will be no more darkness at all. Revelation 21, 23 to 27 says, and the city has no need of sun or moon for the glory of God illuminates the city and the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk in its light, and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. Its gates will never be closed at the end of the day, because there is no night there. And all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. What a picture. No darkness, no evil, only the glory of God lighting the place up. This is a double measure of hope for us. Jesus is our light of the world right now, and we have hope for this promise of the future with him in the new heaven and the new earth. It's both. It's practical for how we live today, and it's hopeful for the future. In the vineyard, sometimes we talk about living in tension, about living in the now and the not yet. This looks like another good example of that. It can be challenging to have hope when this world has darkness. Does this world have darkness? Yeah. But Jesus is the light of the world, bringing light and life to us now, and we know that kingdom glory is coming in full, just not yet. As we wrap up this message, I'd like to offer some tips for you for your week. I'd also like to invite the worship team to come back up to the stage. We'll close with a time of worship and prayer. If you're on the prayer team, could you also come forward, please? I invite you all to stand together now as you're able. Our tips usually include a read, a pray, and a do. For a read this week, Read John 8. It's the story of Jesus' continued ministry and close calls with the high priests and Pharisees. Bonus points for 
digging in with a study Bible or online and following some of the scripture reference rabbit holes. I was surprised and pleased with how many different directions I could go studying just that single verse of text and all of the support. So there, there were some fun and surprising things for me, and maybe there would be for you if you want to dig into that. Pray. Consider where you would like more light and life in your world and pray about it. If you prayed earlier to follow Jesus, I especially encourage you to pray with one of our prayer team folks this morning. They'll encourage and celebrate with you and can help with the next steps. Is anybody else, any more prayer team members who could come over on this side? Please? Otherwise, I'll be over there after. And for our do tip, reflect the light of Jesus to someone. This light is for everyone, and you can help it spread. This week, if you see someone who seems to be in darkness in any way, don't ignore it. Say hi. Engage them in a conversation and see how you could share the light of Jesus with them. Maybe that's with hopeful encouragement. Maybe that's with prayer. Maybe that's with an invitation to Alpha. See how you can share the light of Jesus. If you're visiting today or if you need more information about following Jesus, I'd love to chat with you after the service in the welcome area. Now the worship team will lead us in a few songs and communion, and they'll dismiss us when the service is over. During this worship time, come up for prayer for any needs that you have, not just if you prayed that prayer that we did earlier, but practical needs, job, finances, physical healing, emotional needs, or if you need more hope. These folks will bless you and pray good things for you. We just close us briefly in prayer. God, thank you so much for being our light, being the light of the world, for filling us with that light, for coming to us. Go with us into our week. Show us your light in new ways and comfort us with it. Amen. Blessings on you as we continue to worship today.